Welcome to the episode 32 of part 2. 32, part 2. Yep, you've heard this right. Do not adjust your wireless. That's an old joke. Do not adjust your set. <laughs> so, after uh, having a conversation with John, uh, if you haven't listened to the previous episode, please do so. Um, I had loads of questions about mobility and, you know, just basically um, how the cars are designed for certain people in mind, with certain people in mind. So I've reached out to quite a few different uh, people who I know or I didn't know. One of them was the um, Motability, the organization. And uh, I'm not going to, you know, say any bad thing because I'm sure they're busy and this is a tiny podcast. But the uh, I've, I've asked them a couple of really small questions. And I was hoping for 15 minutes of the time, but I didn't get the answer. I'll put it this way. After quite a few exchanges with different people, uh, it's quite obvious that this podcast is too small for them to bother um, to come on, but you know, which is okay. Um, we just kind of have to do without. Um, however, I've kind of reached out to a couple of other people who know how cars are designed and you know what goes into the, uh, the the design process of the car and how people with different needs are considered when designing a car. And uh, a listener of mine and the Patreon as well. Uh, Chris um, came to the rescue. Chris works for a uh, you know big OEM and has been in the industry for a very very long time. But obviously, these are his own views. I didn't ask him about anything specific to his workplace or whatever. Um, but anybody who works with uh, within the auto industry has a very good sort of insight and knowledge uh, when it comes to other manufacturers and what's going on around. And um, and we had a very lovely discussion. So I. I would be really. I was hoping this is going to be like a two-parter, so one of them is going to be questions specifically answered by Motability, the charity in the UK, um, and the other one is, you know, perspective from the OEM. It is a shame, but we're just going to have to live with uh, only sort of one side of the the conversation. Um, so the the questions that I wanted to ask, you know, Mobility in this particular instance, is. I'll just read you from the email that I've sent them. What is Motability's stance on transportation electrification? Uh, where do you see any issues? Have you been looking into it? And do you recommend drivers who have no experience to try electric cars? Uh, conversations I've had so far lead me to believe that most cars used by disabled people don't need a lot of range due to the driver's comfort, etc. Ideal for even cheaper EVs. That's the first question. Second one, when it comes to brands, OEMs, some of them are missing from the offering and the question is why? Uh, is is it the OEM um, not offering anything directly to the mobility or is it the lack of options um, come, uh, when, it, when it comes to modifying the cars to the driver's needs, leasing costs, etc.? As per usual, in the EV world, the question basically comes down to why isn't Tesla available via mobility? But some but all these questions apply equally to other OEMs. And the third question, who's the best to get in touch with at Motability, um, etc. Um, you know, this was just a, I didn't want to basically be sent to a, a garage or, um, or a particular OEM because we all know how that goes. Uh, they're just going to use whatever uh, sales tactics they, they, they need to apply this week. Um, so, you know, I think... I think if you have any contacts with Motability, I would ask you to, to maybe uh, uh, 
nudge them because I would, I would still love to to hear. You know, I I don't want to. I I would love this podcast to become a bit more of a uh, information source where I can consider actual, actual serious uh, uh, sources from multiple angles. Um, I tried. Uh, I tried for you guys. Um, lastly, if you're not subscribed, if you're just listening to this, please subscribe because the uh, the uh, having larger numbers, you know, podcasts are nev- not never as as large as the YouTube channels, and I don't have the face for YouTube. But the uh, and plus, you know, I I think this is the content here is mostly suitable for um, for audio format, um, and I usually don't do this before the the content, but please go to uh, patreon.com slash and consider just chucking a quid. Um, you might think that there's enough people supporting this channel, or sorry, this <laughs> um, this podcast, but there isn't. And, you know, um, I do this out of the passion uh, for, for providing content. I don't make any money. I, in fact, lose money making this, and it would be nice to have actual support. And that means I could do this more often as well. So, you know... Um, Please. All right, all right. Uh, here's my conversation with Chris. I'm not going to keep you waiting anymore. Enjoy. I, John was uh, mentioning to me, oh, we, we had a discussion basically about uh, this adding things for a disabled person in a car. And obviously there's hundreds of thousands of different, you know, refinements or changes that could be made to a car for a specific disabled person. And nobody's going to design a car for everybody but you know more about oems than i i'll ever know um so i, I presume when the uh, when you're designing an a, a, a we're talking about passenger vehicles like you know just regular cars not uh, not commercial vehicles when you're designing a car you have to design it with people who are left-handed right-handed different lengths of arms fingers whatever uh but do oems actually take into account people who might have disabilities or uh, you know, or the, the fact that the car might have some sort of a need to to have some sort of an adapter added to it to you know for people with a ha- without a hand, without fingers, or without legs, you know, all sorts of things. How does that look I, from the OEM perspective? I don't think it, I don't think it comes to a designing for a specific disability. Um, and there are, as I was saying, there are entire teams, the entire departments set up to ergonomics, into ingress, egress, how you get in and out of the vehicle is a whole you know, entire subject in of, on, in of its own. Um, so, you know, where your grab handles are, where your sight lines are, how far up and down the seat can go. Um, from then, that's all in, in the sort of the physical realm, you know, the, the actual size and shape of of your of your and, and certain vehicles might my wife is sub five foot and technically if you're designing to a, you know, a fifth to a 95th percentile person to use it she comes in just under that and there are some cars that she finds absolutely fine and some she can't see out the window so low saloon cars she really struggles to see out the window because I think it's probably position of the the windscreen and the uh, the IP, the low how low the seat, all of those things would be fine for a fifth to a ninety fifth percentile. But someone just under that, that particular car shape doesn't work very well. Um, okay. Whereas a slightly more higher up car, like a pickup truck, is fine. It's a huge, great big car, but because of the ergonomics of it and the shape of it and the body style and the fact it's got the, you know, she can use it absolutely fine. Um, it's not not a problem. Um, 
so I think from a, you know, the physical hard points of a, of a vehicle, your OEMs have you know, so much work looking at it and also looking at how people use it, including um, you know eld- elderly people as well. So there's an awful lot of work. We've actually um, the, we've got a at work a, a a suit that that <laughs> that you put on and it replicates what it's like to have severe arthritis and mobility issues. Oh. And then um, I've never I've never used it. I've seen people using it, and it's this and it's very heavy, and it you know, limits how fast you can move your arms and legs and how much you can do it, and limits what all your movement, and um, that's then test to see well okay well how what's it like to use the use the vehicle if you've got these you know, mobility mobility issues um so there's all it is it is thought about i think the bit where there's, it is very difficult and i'm not sure what you do if you're there are so many different variations of disability to think about you know with everything from um from you know mobility problems that you couldn't really see you know pain or you know unable to, to twist to you know full-on amputations or problems with fingers or whatever the the difference is so it, i think it's very it's a very difficult one to to do um but an awful lot of extra work is being done on the digital side of it so making yeah. so making the vehicles um you know even even simple things like it could be very difficult if you're in a car park and you're in a wheelchair or you have mobility problems to actually get in between the side of a car and another car can't open the door fully you can't get your wheelchair into whatever the situation is very difficult and you can have a car that you know effectively unparks itself into a bit of extra space where you can do it that helps yeah. and so there's a lot of thought on on the you know the experiences and interactions and and how you can make those things easier from a, from a digital perspective and as cars yeah. get cleverer there'll be more of that that can make it easier yeah yeah so. i mean we've already seen all the cars that can park, can park themselves so that's just a you know in a simple yeah. situation obviously it's difficult uh and but, I, I, sorry no the park the parking itself is, is really good because in that mobility mobility suit you cannot see over your shoulder you cannot look behind and that is how a lot of people would reverse park their car is look yeah. over, check you know the mirrors show you one view but actually you want to be able to check over your shoulder to see it. and if you can't do that having a car that effectively parts itself is a um i'm not sure how many people actually use the i think most most of the cars i've had have had that feature and i you know you use it a couple of times to as a as, as a bit of fun but it's it's not you know, not really for somebody who doesn't need it i suppose <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I've, I've, whenever I tried it, I, I ran out of patience. Or oh, the car nearly drove over a, a, you know, over a lamppost or something, and I was just like, mm. no, no, I'll, I'll take over. <laughs> yeah. uh, I've never had a car that successfully did it, and I felt like it did it better than I would do it. Um, but you know, yeah. things uh, things can improve. Uh, and I presume what, what helps these days is the fact that um, everything's done over the wire, can buses and all that. So if you if you had to replace, you know accelerator and a couple of other pedals with a with a with something on the steering wheel that can be done or if you had to replace you know some buttons or move them somewhere else that can be done easily as well yeah it's just a the, bunch of can pass messages yeah there's an awful lot of work that is done with upfitters and um especially from the commercial commercial vehicle side that do 
um, commercial outfits, you want them to be able to interface with your systems as effectively as possible. But obviously, safety is safety is paramount. There's certain systems that you you know you don't you don't you don't want anyone to be messing around with safety critical yeah. systems and your you know your some of the drivers assist other other things that have to have a certain level of but there's there, there is a lot of work trying to work on how we can better into how you can better interface with those those outfitters that do that exact that sort of thing and and um make you know a lot of these mobility vehicles will make them easier make the controls easier but you're yeah. right a, a, an accelerator is at the moment is is just a, effectively a switch <laughs> yeah yeah um but for evs it's easier as well because you haven't got the transmission problems yes, a lot yeah. of the time yeah we, we we did talk about the fact that evs you know i mean it's a kind of a given that you know ev is going to be easier for a for a disabled person um it's except, you... yeah except the battery the pro if you have a look at a lot of the mobility vehicles um they have drop drop down rear sections um drop down side sections that are actually built into the floor of the vehicle and on an ev that's often where the battery is in an ice vehicle yeah. there is you know you've got the exhaust running down the middle maybe your fuel tank off to one side but a lot of extra space you can build in but with an ev basically that whole floor pan is out of bounds you don't don't you're not cutting into that you're not building a drop down so there are some for some mobility solutions there are going to be some tricky areas and um some of those may be some some of the last ones that do transition over to to evs purely because Know, the space where the battery is they use that a lot of the time and yeah it might yeah. take a little bit longer to transition some of those specialist speciality vehicles over cool that yeah that sounds yeah that we have, I haven't thought about that because you see loads of um uh, scooter users or, or wheelchair users they get in a car from the back um yeah. and the car has to kind of dip in to let them in or there has to be a ramp yeah. or something um and if, and if you've of, got a, a rear wheel rear wheel driven ev which a lot of them a lot of them are um or you have the battery extending there you often a lot of that modification is in the plane of where the battery would be yeah <laughs> so there's a lot of, there'll be there's a lot of clever people working on it i'm sure we'll there'll, there'll be there'll be ways around it yeah i'm sure the batteries can be shifted a little bit so uh, <laughs> no, that's yeah. that sounds 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 good it is 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 a really inter, in, interesting interesting thing, and I, it's really inter, I don't know, you know, where at what point it's it's difficult. I don't think for an an, an OEM level company doing things at scale, yeah, to because the, the the volume and, and production numbers of a dedicated. Um, bespoke vehicle for someone with a particular disability are so low that the aftermarket and the outfitters are really good or almost better positioned to make those specialist specialist vehicles that they 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 can be more nimble they're not held to the same (laughs) that's the same rules but effectively the same rules as a lot of other you know as as oems are you, know, they yeah. can, you can you can sign off certain things in a an outfit that you just could not do in a production vehicle. Um, so 
because it's just one off and you don't have to care about the scale of it and insurance and and, and, the, know, and the safety and the, and the yeah. safety of it and you know, look at some of these camper van outfits that go around you couldn't just imagine all having all that you know equipment in the back and trying to crash that yeah, um, yeah. so True. it's a it's 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 one of those areas that is is speciality and it's all you know you you want the OEMs to do all they can to help the upfitters interface with the systems as you said understand what's going on in the canvas be able to interface safely with those systems and have all of the um you know knowledge of of which bits of the vehicle they can they can cut into which bit yeah. where where they can safely bolt things which bits are structural which are no especially in the battery electric vehicle effectively which are no drill bits do yeah. not drill here because there's a, cable a lot there. <laughs> there's cable there's battery they don't know and for years a lot of outfitters i've spoken to um when they get a new vehicle it's trial and error they get one oh. start chopping into it and if there's something behind a panel and it, they realize they can't you know by mistake they can't cut into that they basically said put a red mark on it we, we don't you we don't cut into this bit or so it is a, is a bit trial and error sometimes in the upfit upfit world but it is, it is on oems to help them out and, yeah. and make sure that they can especially in the world of EV, that they can safely upgrade and upfit and work on oem vehicles and get parts as well yeah, yeah. And, i mean and that, this is funny where uh, john was saying to me that um because they're looking they've got a night uh, they've got a um uh, i3 at the moment hmm. but they're looking to to replace that because motability gives you cars for three years yeah and you pay like a lower um uh, leasing fee basically but the, they have to be impro- approved by the, the motability and he said the perfect car for them would be model y but tesla doesn't do motability and presumably the fact that you know the parts and the thinking of all these things th- that probably doesn't happen much at tesla uh, I, I suspect tesla haven't even thought about it. Yeah, I suppose it's just it's 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 probably not on their radar. Yeah, um, and then and you know then they're not very good at source parts of helping people with parts. Yeah, I mean um, they have problems internally with that. So like whenever you, you bring a car to a shop to get it fixed via yeah, but it, that's that's a a natural issue with a company that's growing that fast. Yeah. Your logistics and parts organization is an absolutely mammoth uh, organization. They mm-hmm. benefit because they don't, they, you know, they have 10 years worth of vehicles that they have to support um, and only a few models. They don't have the hundreds of different models that, you know, if they were running for 50 years, that they will have, you know, their, logistic, their parts and logistics and after sales will be much worse, but they, they do have that benefit. But um, it's, it's a, it's a you know, monumental logistics challenge to, to be able to get all the right parts in the right place at the right time to the right people, uh, you know, that work. And, you know, they, they'll prioritize getting it to their service, service network over somebody who wants to, you know, fix it themselves or wants yeah. the wants the part because they're doing a project on something or something like that. They'll they'll prioritize their own service and kind of rightly so. Um, I know, but it, it gets loads of people annoyed, especially when it comes to like salvaged cars and cars that have been, you know, can be 
reused. Uh, they have to yeah. be basically bent, which is a bit of a shame. Uh, whereas if, if a Maki crashed, then I could extract all the bits and I could probably get some parts from Fort to add to it if I wanted to do a did, mod or a, did you whatever. Did you see the um, F100 concept at SEMA, the Ford um, uh, truck no. with the crate engine? Because no. you know that OEMs in the US all do crate engines for projects. Effectively, they would do, yeah, sell you a, a V8 engine with all the control systems and transmission, and you can go and put it in your own drag car or your own project car. But you can. I, I know. I know about that. Yeah, because there's companies but, selling those basically and supporting them. But they 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 they're, they're done by the OEMs. So the yeah, OEMs yeah. Will, will sell you an actual they call it a crate engine. But they're Ford have now have done the same with electric an electric motor, um, which okay. sold out within minutes as soon as it as soon as it went on. But it shows it shows that there's the um that the and this is all just going from stuff I've heard on um on you know, various online shows and and press reports but they want to then you you can take that and you get the control system as well and that will then work with you know the interface module which will then work with you know the the battery pack so the the idea is that actually you've got oems who are supporting these these aftermarket customers people who want to take the product and do something different with it but rather than having to scrabble around a salvage yard and you know fudge the coding and, and bypass a sensor to make it think that it's got you know a door <laughs> mirror when it actually hasn't got a door mirror or whatever you whatever you've got to do yeah you can it's... that's all part of the so I think there's going to be a lot of that stuff going on which will be really interesting yeah, OEMs actually getting into that aftermarket type this is, of world. this is one of those things that um, you, you mentioned that the, uh, the you know the certain systems on the car that you kind of keep have to keep secure so that people don't mock with them. And yeah. uh, I think this is where loads of people who hack things and I get messages from people because I'm, you know, into electronics and all that and EVs, you know, uh, who are uh, looking to to get something reverse engineered. And it, it turns out that some of the messages are encrypted or whatever they're, they, you know, um, or they're paired with some other component in the car. So you, get, you still get a can bus message and you know what it is, but you can't really... Um, see that message or it differ, it's differs from car to car for the same function because it, it's kind of you know i don't know how that works internally well you'd, you'd have you'd have things like you, you, you you've got the functionality where you have the vehicle that can emergency apply the apply, apply the brakes in emergency and that can be triggered from your camera your radar so the idea is if you're at a certain low speed somebody walks out in front of you or something stops in front of you car slams on it or slams on its brakes and stops yeah. you now you say that system was hacked was messed around with was for whatever reason and you had a system that could in theory slam your brakes on as you're on the motorway that wouldn't be now fun. that's that so you, the, the, you know that's an, an extreme case but you know when you when you've got a vehicle that can apply the brakes and that you know pedestrian braking is becoming a mandatory you know, it's like, it's from an NCAP perspective, it's effectively a given. You have to do these sort of things. But you have to make sure that the, the, the software and the hardware as it works together is safe from, you know, those sort of messing around. And I, personally, my, my view is the best way to do it is work with the upfitters. You know, say, look, here's how, to, here's how to interface. If you want to do this, here's how to interface with it. 
is how to you know if you want to tune your pedal map or whatever it is on your your ev like here's how to do it if you want to tap in to get this information here's how to do it if you want to put the throttle um control onto the steering wheel for a disabled person here's how you would do it and and allow access to those and help to those sort of things but i don't know it's an interesting one there's a lot of a lot of people working on it yeah um, so you're, you're telling me that i mean this blows my mind if i think about it uh but, but things like the emergency braking and all that that all happens via um canvas there is everything like a spe- everything goes through because okay. the, if, if you think about the input the input to a pedestrian is you've got a camera or a radar or a combination of camera and radar that is picking up that there is a an obstacle slash person yeah. in front of you now those sensors have got to turn that sensing information through the computer saying that's the person we should put the brakes on to the braking system that puts the brakes on yeah no, so, it just blows, blows my mind because you know canvas delivers so many hundreds of thousands of messages in the car every minute and to think about that one of those messages could be the fact that you know the the brakes have to be slammed if, <laughs> if i if i had my like super you know uh, uh cynical engineer cap on i would be like oh this needs to be like a super separate cable that just does that one job and you know does it very well and that's it um, uh, but but you can kind of, yeah, I, I don't know enough 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 about the software but as it's been explained you have different effectively you know safety critical systems are separated from other other yeah. systems as i as i i'm not a, a electrical engineer i've just seen a lot of schematics on on presentations saying this is how you know the new future of um you know car electronics is is going to work and how you separate the safety systems from the media systems from the drive system all the other other things so i think they probably i think you'd probably find it's pretty well locked down Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure there's loads of clever people. You know, I just have questions as always. Uh, yeah, oh, <laughs> there's the redundancy. The redundancy as well. You know, you you need to make sure that you've got redundancy in there. And um, and with the world of um, all of the modules being updatable remotely, in order to do that, you have to have redundant processing capacity and memory to be yeah. able to do that. So when you've got that spare capacity that gives you more room to do other things with it so yeah it could allow upfitters to do more i don't know it's an interesting there's a it's 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 fascinating well that's it for the episode 32 part two uh i'd like to thank chris for you for his time um this was, you know, recorded uh, sort of in between his things, and he need to run, unfortunately. Um, I hope you enjoy this content, and uh, as always, you know, do like, share, subscribe, and all that jazz, and uh, visit us at Take It EV on Twitter's, uh, and just say hi. It's funny how most people who listen to this podcast actually don't do not uh, follow me on Twitter, and most people who follow me on Twitter don't seem to be listening to this podcast. At least the 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 Venn diagram is is small enough. Ah, oh, fascinating. Um, I'm approaching almost two thousand followers on Twitter, so thanks everybody who uh, who is following me already. Anyway, there's going to be another episode uh, this month. Probably not none of the two episodes. Um, so stay tuned. Uh, it's a busy month, and as always, 
I don't know what to say. Um, <laughs> I was just about to uh, beg you for Patreon money, but I've already done that at the top of, it, of the show, so anyway. Bye!